Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. What's up, Rotobiz? Hey everyone, I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm joined tonight by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. We are going to talk through the tournament brackets that we have up on the site right now, looking at the rookie running backs and rookie wide receivers. And in very exciting news, the new version of the site is up. It's launched. Uh, Definitely go check it out. We're really pleased with how it came out and excited about everything that lies ahead in addition to the new site. What's going on, Matt? Uh, Not much. Just, uh, you know, grinding out a lot of NFL draft content, uh, just ready for this uh, event to get here and then to get done with. Yeah, I hear you there. And actually, last week, I had thought that uh, we weren't going to have a chance. I don't know why to talk again before the draft. So to close out the show, we're going to get some of the draft props that I'm sure you have been spending a lot of time looking at. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, with that behind us, let's talk about the tournaments that we have up on the brand new site. And to give a little background, if you're new to listening to Road of His Radio or new to the site, 
how many years has it been now, man? I think it's been, this might be, I don't know, like the fifth year, yeah, maybe? I think a fourth or fifth, yeah. Fourth or fifth. And basically what we do, it's a 16-man tournament for running backs, 16-man tournament for wide receivers. It's seated off of ADP. And uh, we pit 16 prospects at each position against each other. And then the dynasty team, we go through it. Everybody picks a winner in these separate matchups. Uh, so what I wanted to do here was kind of talk to Matt about some of the more interesting matchups that we had and then kind of get his sense of if he'd been participating this year where he might have ended up on a number of these these different matchups that we have. Matt, what do you want to look at first, running backs or wide receivers? Uh, let's do running backs because that is the page I have pulled up. Okay, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty clear, right? You probably had Josh Jacobs advancing um, I'm pretty sure that you would have had Montgomery over Homer, um, another first rounder, Damian Harris over Elijah Holyfield. I'm pretty sure that was cut. That would be cut and dry for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not expecting Damian Harris to be a first rounder in the NFL. Um, but yeah, easily over Elijah Holyfield. Yeah. So I, I thought that the, the most interesting matchup to start off with may have been Travion Williams versus Justice Till. Uh, so naturally here, you have two players that uh, we have one with Williams here who had a ridiculous season on his resume. Then you have Justice Hill who really impressed at the combine. I know we've talked about each of these players. This was a very close contest on the site, um, which definitely you're going to want to go and check these out. And I should say that currently, if you go to the site, just about everything is available. The only thing behind the paywall is this tournament. But if you want to check out the apps, the tools, any other articles, uh, now is the time to do that. But uh, forgive me for that for that little interjection there, Matt. Justice Hill or Travion Williams, where would you have landed? Uh, I think I would have gone with Travion Williams, um, in part because he was... so. I mean, Hill did have production right away, but Williams really had production right away. He was the lead back right away. Um, each of the three seasons he was at A&M playing against, you know, SEC defenses, uh, he was the lead back. Um, I think of him like my comp is basically um, Devontae Freeman, uh, just in terms of like his size, uh, but he's a little bit faster, a little more athletic than Devontae Freeman, um, but uh, was also more productive. But you know, playing in the the Jimbo Fisher offense, um, I think he has a a pretty decent chance of having NFL success. Uh, and he also improved as a pass catcher um, throughout college, which I think is important. So he's not he's not known as like a great receiver out of the backfield, but I think he's good enough at this point. And uh, his, I mean, his final season, junior year, he had over 1,750 rushing yards, which um, like, I mean, I'm not too into like hard and fast thresholds, but like, that's a really good number, especially for an SEC back and all of the guys who have hit that mark uh, since 2000, uh, all of them. And there are like four guys, but all of them have uh, been top 100 picks. And I think that's probably where he's going to go. Uh, whereas Justice Hill is a little bit smaller, and I think he's probably going to be more of like a fourth rounder. Yeah. Um, when we first had these brackets, I uh, put Justice Hill in first. And then when I went back later on after having spent more time with Travion Williams, I, I ended up moving him um, 
ahead in in the first round of this tournament. So this one was interesting. But yeah, that Travion Williams, that one season that he had is so hard to overlook. Um, and for all those other reasons that you mentioned too, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about him. The other one that I think might be interesting for you as we've talked about you know how you feel about Bryce Love he faces off against Miles Sanders in the first round I really like Sanders but I can see how you could potentially make a case for Love would you have put Sanders in front of Love um so I think a lot of the perspective on this is that you are adjusting uh for value like you're thinking about right like where you could potentially get these guys and I think people right. are going to be really high on Sanders. Uh, I expect him to be probably a second rounder, maybe a third rounder at the latest. Um, whereas I think Bryce Love will probably be more like a fourth rounder, maybe even a fifth rounder. Uh, so I think he will be significantly cheaper, especially because he's not likely to do anything as a rookie. Um, but, you know, peak Bryce Love is better than peak Miles Sanders. And like people talk about like, oh, how athletic Miles Sanders was at the combine. Like he was, he was sufficiently athletic, but if you put his numbers against the numbers of a back, like an athletic back from almost any other class, Sanders would just seem like a slightly above average runner. So like I'm, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that, Matt. In the combine explorer, the only, he comes above the 50th percentile on every measure. And the only one where he's near 50 is the bench press. Everything else is up in like the seventies. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, those things kind of don't matter. You know, like we, we had right, an I'll episode, that premise. That's we fair. had an episode yeah. talking about how all of those other <laughs> things don't matter. You know? So like, I, yes, I, I mean, I, I don't think he's like quite the athlete that people are making him out to be. Um, like he's not Saquon Barkley in athleticism. So I right. think, um, I don't want to give Bryce love credit for athleticism that we don't know for sure he has, especially because he is smaller, but I don't know. Like he was so, he, I mean, he was just so dynamic, uh, his junior season, um, at Stanford that like, I think it's safe to say he's probably a good athlete. So I would rather go with him, uh, just because he's cheaper. I'll, I'll accept that premise. And I knew you were going to answer Bryce love. Um, Gaskin, you don't really, I don't think I've heard you mention anything. So I, I'm he's, assuming he's it's safe to, to say, uh, I liked him last okay. year. I wish he would have come out last year. Uh, he didn't, he's yep. small and he doesn't have good athleticism. Case closed. Um, hey, Rodney Anderson, I don't think you've you've said anything on the show about. Uh, he faced off against Mike Weber in the first round. Who won? Anderson. Who won that? Um, hey. This is the one that I'll, I'll, I will share this. Um, the other ones, people will have to find it for themselves, but Rodney Anderson did okay. win. I think Anderson should win that. Um, I mean, obviously, well, I guess I shouldn't say obviously because people might not know, but uh, he was beset by injury issues at Oklahoma, um, played only one game. Uh, as a freshman, had to redshirt uh, the next season because of an injury, was uh, one of the best backs in college football, I think, in 2017. Uh, and then in 2018, he played only two games because he tore his ACL. So uh, because of that injury, we don't have any workout data for him. Um, but he's big, you know, six feet, 224 pounds, um, a pretty decent receiver, or I would say like decent enough um, in his 2017 season. Uh, if he were healthy, I think he would have a real shot at being the number one guy off of the board um, in uh, at least among uh, running backs. Um, yeah, I like him a lot and I think he's going to be relatively cheap 
because he's injured. So, uh, yeah, I want him. Uh, Mike Weber, not to say there's anything wrong with him. Like, you know, he was a a fine uh, change of pace committee back uh, with good athleticism, you know, at a, a school that has produced running backs, you know, so like he's he's fine, but I would much rather have Rodney Anderson. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that is completely fair. Now, Anderson would be matching up against Daryl Henderson, who we know you do not like as much as I do in the second round of the tournament. If you were voting, do you go with the upset here? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I go, I, I think I go Rodney Anderson. I mean, I think I'm just going to go Rodney <laughs> Anderson pretty much until yep. he matches up against, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I would, well, he matches up against, I'm assuming you're going to, you'd have David Montgomery over Benny Snell and then you would have Anderson versus Montgomery in the semifinals. I would probably go with, I would probably go with Montgomery. Um, but I would really be tempted to take Anderson just because I do think he's going to be cheaper in rookie drafts. Yep. Okay. And then in the top part of the bracket, there's Harris versus Sanders, which I'm actually not sure where I think you would go on this, given what you just said about Sanders. Or no, it's excuse me. In the tournament that we have, um, you you'd be having Harris love versus, versus love. Uh, Harris. Uh, yeah. I, I would go with Harris. Okay. All right. And then um, Justice Hill, does he have any chance of beating Josh Jacobs for you? Uh, no. I mean. I don't, I don't think of Josh Jacobs as like all that great of a player. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I have to acknowledge that, um, he did have some good efficiency numbers, um, in his loan season and he will be a 21 year old rookie back, which like that is significant and he will probably be a top 40 pick. So like, yeah. those are the most important numbers actually, like his age and his draft position. So you know, like that's pretty significant. I I think it would be hard to take anyone above him. Yeah, I wanted to move Williams in my bracket ahead of him, um, but I just can't justify it because despite what you feel like about him, we know that um, once backs do get to the NFL, opportunity is so important. And before we know where guys go, it looks like the odds are high that he is going to get the best opportunity to start off his career. Um, so... Jacobs versus Harris. We've talked about this before. Have you changed at all? And now you lean towards Jacobs. Uh, I would, I would go with Harris. Okay. Yeah. He'll, so, be, he'll be cheaper. <clears throat> and he was the guy who actually had production at Alabama. Right. Right. And, and now forgive me. I already forget. Did you say that Montgomery did get past Anderson yeah, for yeah, you? Yeah, he would. Okay. So you're looking at um, Montgomery versus Harris. Who would you crown as champion? Uh, Montgomery. Yeah, uh, he's, okay. I think he's a complete back in a way that um, Harris maybe isn't. Like uh, Montgomery is a better – he's a better receiver. Uh, he didn't drop a pass. He didn't have a blown block assignment uh, in his final season. Um, he's sufficient enough as a runner. Like I think they're actually kind of similar, um, but I just think Montgomery is a little more complete. Okay. Um, I ended up with – Henderson and Sanders in my finals with um with Henderson winning. Um I, I think I've been pretty clear now for the last couple of weeks that I like those two, so I probably don't need to to run through it here. Um it is interesting though, the the running back tournament for Freeman does not end with a big bodied SEC back taking the crown. Yeah. Well it, it does end with a guy from Iowa, so <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's right. Um 
Hey, reminder, Roto of his fans, uh, our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, want you to be aware that though it is the off-season for most people, it definitely is not for Rotoviz listeners or for players at the FFPC. If you're a diehard who's ready to draft now, the FFPC best ball leagues are already open for the 2019 season with drafts forming daily, starting at just a $35 entry fee. If you are a fan of the Dynasty format, over the last few years, the FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious Dynasty players. They have almost 300 active Dynasty leagues starting at 77 and they even have a $5,000 entry dynasty league. And the best part is not a single dynasty league has folded in nine years. Limited orphan teams are available and brand new startup dynasty leagues will be opening shortly. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Rotovis listeners go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. So we make our way now over to wide receivers, and I think that um, receivers might be the more um, interesting of the brackets, if you will. Um, As we talked about this before, but we project that there's going to be more players at the wide receiver position that we expect to be contributors, especially um, in the long term. I think that for many people, the most interesting first round matchup was JJ Arcega Whiteside versus Marquise Brown. Where would you fall on that one? Uh, I'd have to go. I think with Jaws, um, he's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like he's he's big. He has verified athleticism for his size. Um, he was the number one wide receiver each of the three years he was playing in the first two years, he was in a very run heavy offense. So that, I mean, that can maybe skew it a little bit, but in his final year, they really shifted to the past. Like they relied on him. Um, and, uh, he produced, especially in, uh, key situations, contested catch situations. Uh, but he was also targeted heavily down the field. Like a lot of his routes were down the field. Uh, and he was obviously very productive in the end zone. So yeah, I think I'd have to go with him. Yeah, I mean, Brown, you can definitely make a case for, but for me, what it really comes back to is he's so small that the number of things that need to work out for him to justify where you might even have to take him, um, as I think that he may get a little bit overdrafted come Friday, perhaps even. Um, Thursday. It just doesn't... Thursday. Thursday, yeah. even. Some people are saying Thursday, yeah. yeah. So, I like, I just... I don't, I don't feel good about that. To me, that, that would be a lot of risk. And I think that Whiteside is a player that um, can definitely find himself positioned well for success in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, I mean, what bothers me so much about Brown, right, like two things. One, we assume that he's fast, but we don't know for sure that he really has like the verified speed to compensate for his small size. But then secondly, for like most guys who were that size and have his style of play actually end up doing something as rushers and like return men. And that just wasn't anything to like Brown did have two return touchdowns in junior college. So like I'll give him credit for that, but he didn't do it in two years at Oklahoma and he had literally no rushing production at Oklahoma, which like you compare that to like DD Westbrook a couple of years ago, like Westbrook had some rushing production down. Uh, production Westbrook had returning production like it's just it's different like he's 
you know, he's not the caliber of player that Westbrook was when Westbrook was like the Bolitnikov winning lead receiver for that team. Right. Yeah. There's no evidence that we can point to outside of just the pure receiving profile, which, like you said, for a player of his size, the way that he plays, we normally would like to see. Um, Debo Samuel versus Emmanuel Hall. Perhaps that could have been a close one for you. Yeah, that one's interesting. Um, man, I I don't know. Off, uh, I would I would probably go with Debo. Um, mm-hmm. He has he has more versatility, but I mean Emmanuel Hall was just he was so athletic at the combine. It is impressive. Um, he had good enough production, but I just I do like that Debo has a lot of versatility. Yeah, um, I think for me, I ended up going Emmanuel Hall, and I wonder if a big piece of this is I just have trouble taking a man named Debo Samuel um, seriously in this context. <laughs> I just don't know if I can do it. Debo, like it, it just doesn't work too. Debo then to Samuel, like it, I don't know, Matt. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, great, great analysis. Barris Campbell, Andy Isabella. This this is the one for me that's the most interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going Andy Isabella. Um, Ooh. yeah, I mean, Paris Campbell, he might sneak into round one, but I think he's probably more of a day two guy. Uh, and I think yep. that's where Isabella is going. Um, Isabella was productive, uh, you know, for a longer stretch of his college career. He's literally just as fast as Paris Campbell, obviously not right. as big, but, um, more versatile. Yeah, I, I'm going with Isabella. I think he will be cheaper in rookie drafts. And I think he has For, yeah. just as much upside. Yeah, I mean, I like Campbell a lot, but what it came down to is, as you said, they have the same amount of speed, but it seems likely that Isabella can do more things as a receiver than Campbell can. And I think the other thing, if you wanted to detract something from either of these players, you could look at Campbell and point to in college, he was not used heavily downfield. A lot of his production came on very short throws, which yes, it fits into his role, but it looks like that might be one that might not be as fruitful as what Isabella could turn into at the next level. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Isabella can, he can do more. Yep. So, um, you'd probably then have Isabella versus DK Metcalf. Yeah. <laughs> Can Isabella with that strong profile make his way past Metcalf, who has a lot of red flags, but naturally the incredible athleticism and a superhero like physique? Uh, yeah, I think I would, I would go with, uh, Isabella over Metcalf. My, um, my comps for them. Let me, uh, let me pull this up. My comp for, uh, Isabella is Brandon Cooks, but older and less agile. And my mm-hmm. comp for DK Metcalf, this is this is probably unfair, but I think it's actually accurate. And people just they won't think of it the right way because they're not remembering what this other guy was when he was entering the league. But um, my comp for him is Darius Hayward Bay with more size and less agility. That's interesting. Um, Darius Hayward Bay, a man too that always struggled to actually catch the ball despite his uh, athletic gifts. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, that, that is probably too harsh of a comp, but, um, that's, that's what I have. Okay. Um, so I would not be shocked if Isabella ends up winning this thing for you. He can't get past though, assuming AJ Brown definitely is going to, is going to match up with him in your semifinals. He can't get past AJ Brown. Can he? 
<laughs> I mean, uh, I think I said on the last show, we were like, oh, who's someone you would like to have? Like, <laughs> like Isabella is someone I want to have leaving all of yeah. my drafts. Um, that said, I mean, AJ Brown might be the number one player for right. me. Um, like my comp for AJ Brown is Andre Johnson with more production and less athleticism. Um, oh man. I mean, the thing is I expect Brown to be a top, I don't know. I'd say like top three to top five rookie draft pick. Whereas I think mm-hmm. Isabella, you can maybe get him, uh, near the top of the second round. I think I yeah. will go with Isabella. <laughs> Oh my goodness, of course, of course, of course. Okay, so then from the top section of the bracket, I'm going to assume here that you'd come down to Harmon versus Harry and that Harry probably is going to make his way into the final to face Um, off against Isabella. No, but I would... Or am I jumping the gun there? No, I would take Butler over Riley Ridley. I would take Butler over Harmon uh, or or Boykin, whoever it is he goes up against. I'd take Butler over those guys. Okay, yeah, I think that's... I think I ended up with Butler versus Harry, and then I then I went with Harry. Yeah, I would have uh, I would have Harry over Arcega Whiteside. Uh, yeah, I would have Harry over Butler. So it would be Harry versus Isabella. Which this is like that feels very um, that that's just very me. Like I, I don't yep. know. I feel like I've had like the in the past when I've done this, I've had like the one guy who seems like very Rotoviz. Versus like the one guy who is like Rotoviz undervalued, um, right? I would probably go with Isabella. <laughs> you know, I I cannot say at all that I'm shocked. I mean, um, I I don't know. Like I like Harry, but um, I think he's more of a high floor guy. Like he. I don't know. He might have like a high ceiling. I just, that's not the vibe that I get from him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Isabella actually has a pretty high ceiling. Okay. So I want to think about this a little bit differently now. Let's put it in a context of probability of NFL success on a zero to a 100 scale with success being defined as, let's say, like three seasons with 10 or more points per game in fantasy. Where would you put the probabilities? Who who has a higher probability of achieving that? Uh, Harry, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting. So I think a lot of this for you really is a function of you're looking for upside, I think, and you're also looking for where you would actually be selecting them in your rookie draft. Yeah. I mean, Harry will require a top five pick, probably. But I, I think he will – You to get him, you will need a top five pick. Isabella, you can get, I'm not going to say a full round later, but at least half a round later. And I mean, I know we're defining success as, you know, like this minimum of 10 points per game for three seasons, but um, I don't know. I think Isabella might have a better chance of having three seasons of like, I don't know, 15 points per game or, <laughs> or like 18 points per game, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think Harry is a he has a a limited range of outcomes whereas like Isabella I think has a really wide range of outcomes yeah no I can definitely accept that perspective now what I'm hoping happens is that we have a number of these running backs ending up in advantageous situations even if they're just first year situations so that they will get drafted higher because like we've talked about before there's a lot of players in 
rookie drafts this year that I'm going to be wanting to get at wide receiver. So hopefully we can see some of these running backs get pushed up. Looking ahead to Thursday, do you think that we might see um, more teams drafting running backs earlier than we might expect, even though this is a weak class? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and, and I am, I am betting, thinking. I am betting heavily against that. So there's actually one bet that's um, over under uh, one and a half round one running backs. And I have, I have put as much as I can on the under. Like, I think it's, I think Brandon Jacobs, not Brandon Jacobs, uh, Josh Jacobs is the only guy who really has a chance of being a round one running back. Uh, and then like after him, you know, like it's pretty open who would be the number two guy, but I don't think that number two guy goes until day two. Right. And I'm trying to think of any team out there that is desperate enough at that position that feels like the type of team that would go for a player like Jacobs where you can't make the strongest case for him and I'm failing to come up with any team. So that is clearly one of your favorite picks. Like last week, this is going to be a bit of a shorter show tonight. So let's just run through a couple others of your favorites right now. Uh, Yeah. So I think a lot of the picks that have or that offer the most value are still ones where you have to bet a lot to win a little. But so say, for instance, one of these would be um, Kyler Murray, uh, number one pick. You can find that at minus 500. So you would like in terms of proportion, you would bet 500 to win 100, which like might seem kind of or like bet 50 to win 10. Like that might seem kind of excessive, but like his odds of being the number one pick, I think, are at least 90 percent. Whereas like the implied odds that you have at minus 500 like they're around like, I don't know, like 80 or something like that. Like it's, so I think there's, there's value there. Like, and I think really Kyler Murray is more of like a 95% chance of being the number one pick. So, um, that is one of them that is interesting to me. Another one is, um, Josh Allen draft position over three and a half. Um, at this point, I don't think he has a really good chance of being drafted in the top three. Um, I think it will be Murray number one, Bosa number two, and then at number three, whether that's the Jets making that pick or someone else trading up. If it's someone who trades up, they might be going for a quarterback. If it's the Jets making the pick, I think they're going with a defensive tackle, uh, either Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver. Um, So uh, Josh Allen over three and a half at minus 223. Uh, I think there's a decent amount of value there. Um, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I mean, I have a lot of them, so sorting, sorting through them is kind of, uh, okay. Well, just hit us with, hit us with two more. Yeah. They don't necessarily need to be like your, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anything interesting, they don't have to be like your best bet ones. So here, uh, here are a couple, um, first wide receiver off of the board. You can find Marquise Brown at plus two twenty five. So bet $10 to win $22.50. I think it's pretty much a, I don't know, it's not exactly a coin flip between DK Metcalf and Marquise Brown, but I think it's close enough where um, you're getting significant value at the plus 225. Um, And then another one that has really caught my eye is uh, first defensive back off of the board, Greedy Williams versus Byron Murphy. You can uh, bet on Byron Murphy at plus 275. 
And that really is like a, a true coin flip. Uh, Greedy Williams has a wider range of draft outcomes. Like he, he could go in the top 10, but he could also fall into like the top of round two. Like that has happened in mock drafts, but everyone is drafting Byron Murphy somewhere from like 19 to 27. Like it's, it's almost a lock that he's going round one. Um, so I think there's pretty significant value with him at uh, plus 275. Okay, um, and forgive my ignorance here. Is Greedy a nickname or is this man's actual first name Greedy? Do you know? No, that, that's a nickname. Uh, I think his real name is uh, like Andres. Okay. But is, is he greedy because he gets so many takeaways? Or I have no idea. <laughs> like, I want to know the derivation of this nickname Greedy. Yeah. I, like, was he stealing, like, cookies when he was a kid? Or, like, you know, like, what's going on? Yeah, I have no idea on that. Um, one more that is interesting, I'll go with uh, Joey Bosa. Um, there are a number of ways you could go with this, but um, I think he's almost a lock to be the first defensive lineman drafted. Um, and you can bet on that uh, minus 280. Um, and I, th- mm. I think, you know, like 90, 95% chance to be the first D lineman drafted. Um, so I think there's significant value there. Yeah. Well, we will find out soon enough. Um, good luck with the, with getting through the rest of your coverage. Um, as, as you might be able to tell listeners out there, I'm very disjointed tonight from essentially a major lack of sleep over the last, uh, week and a half and from the sounds of it mr uh, friedman's going to be in a, in a similar position this week and next so um a short episode here any closing thoughts matt before uh we let the good people out and they get to take in the draft this weekend uh, no hope everyone enjoys their draft okay uh that's going to do it for today's show again please rate review and subscribe to the podcast follow us on twitter at dave Cabin ff and at matt f the oracle be sure to check out Rotoviz, and if there's any topics that you want us to discuss or questions you'd like for us to answer, send an email to rotovizradio at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. 
Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.